hello 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 guys and welcome to a new episode of chocolate with a side of medicine and i am one of your hosts um my name is dr chris and i am joined by my lovely co-host we got dr sunshine hey chris hey y'all Hey, then we got Dr. Amy Joe, MD. What's up, y'all? And last but not least, we got Dr. No No. Hey, what's up? Want to say welcome, guys, for another episode. So, how y'all been? I'm tired. I am listening. <laughs> you just started. She's like, I'm, I'm tired. Two weeks, I'm less than two weeks away from this wedding, and I just, I'm, I'm, I Yay! just. Yes. Yes. Listen, I've been practicing walking in my heels because you gave me some four inch heels I've never walked in before and I've been practicing so I will not trip down the aisle for a big day I swear to God <laughs> yes but you know what if you do trip don't worry I got you because I will be videotaping it oh uh, no. wait, wait. <laughs> so you got it <laughs> I thought she was gonna catch you or like no. be like, oh girl, I got you. I'm gonna help you up off the ground. No, she's gonna record it for receipts. I'm gonna have some band-aids. <laughs> I'm gonna have some band-aids in but case don't you worry. scrape your knees. Don't worry. You're gonna hear somebody in the back. Yay! <laughs> Ooh, that's all you hear. Ooh, right. That's all I got. Ooh. Like, all right, I got you for your big oh day. You down the aisle. I got you too. So let, let's let's do that. Oh my god! No, no it's his, okay. His family's gonna be in the his family gonna be in the audience. Like, I I do feel. I do feel. Don't worry, don't worry. If it was me, don't worry. I'll play. I'm gonna get up and I'm play it off like it was a joke, y'all. We got this. Let's start over. <laughs> <laughs> it's my wedding. I do what I want. <laughs> No, yeah, but I just I, I just say that I'm tired because you know we already talked about this before. I won't harp on it too much, but I'm just ready. I'm just ready to have the good time that it's going to be. You know, yeah. all the other smaller logistics with these vendors who want to make sure this and this and that and that. I know I need to do it, but ultimately I'm just like, listen, we here. <laughs> y'all hired, y'all paid. <laughs> we here. Like it's fine. <laughs> Let's just have a good time. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, music you guys, gonna be you playing guys all this, night. You know all the trap, all the uh, South Florida Floridian music. Y'all do, you know, <laughs> all the, the Floridian that you can so ever fun. want. That everything is gonna be all right. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be dope. But aside from that, you know, I'm cool. I'm kicking it. I'm fine. How the rest of y'all doing? Listen, mm. I had to dismiss a patient today. Oh boy. Mm. Audience, do y'all hear that? We can dismiss y'all. I hope y'all know that. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. You out. Well, we We try not to. We have to. And the system is designed to to not do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and most people, you know, we do not think that we are so good that everyone's going to love us. That's just not a thing. So we fully expect that you will do good work for most people but you can't do good work for all people because somebody's just it's just not going to be their thing not they not gonna like your communication style or they just don't agree with the plan uh it's some for some people it's too different from what their last doctor did so they're not really sure because they're comfortable what they heard the first time there's all kind of reasons why people decide to decide to stay or go um, and so I'm assuming that what generally happens is that if somebody is just really terribly unhappy, they just go about their business. This is the first time that somebody made it their business to reach out to us on several occasions to tell us how much they did not like us. Um, but they kept coming back and they would be so mean to my staff that I was like, I, I can't do this. You, you, you can't come <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah. Cause like the whole thing is like, okay, if you're not happy, that's fine, but you don't got to come back. You got other choices. Like you could go someplace else if you don't, if you're not happy, like at the end of the day, I feel like we all just want you to be happy with your care. I mean, we would like that. Right. And if right. you feel like we're not a good fit, and you feel like you need to go someplace else to find a better fit. But, That's okay. But That's also, okay. Also, you can, if you're frustrated with your care, there is a respectful way to verbalize that to your doctor and to the staff. Like, you don't need to For sure. come into an office gun blazing, like, you know, cussing everyone out, saying, oh, this place is crappy, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, why are y'all, why are y'all even in the medical profession, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's, there's different avenues that you can go about that to verbalize, like, hey, I, I'm not happy with the care I'm receiving. This is why I'm unhappy. And then we will work with you to see how we can address those concerns that you have so that we can move forward. But if you're coming in disrespectful, then, you know, we, we don't need that negativity, like, in our life. So. Yeah, and I also feel like it's pretty simple. I, I look at it; it's real simple. You go to a mechanic; they go to fix your car. You don't like how they fix your car; you let them know, and then you go to a different mechanic because <laughs> you don't like this one. So it's kind <laughs> of that simple. Pretty much. If yeah. you don't like it, go someplace else. <laughs> That's never well, what happens. I feel like with it, I think I there are certain people that are just prone to do you know stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So you know they tell you that you haven't you haven't really been fully indoctrinated into the world of medicine until you've been not liked by somebody, a patient. So you know it's coming, but it's just like, goodness gracious, why don't you just not show back up? Like, you keep showing up to tell us that you're not going to come. I just came here to tell you that I am never coming back here again. I I don't, I never understand that. I I am not coming back and I mean it this time. (laughs) You're just like, okay, okay. You know what? Fine. The patient that comes in, like, you know, comes to the AD for, like, whatever problem, like, heart failure, exacerbation, whatever, and they keep coming back to the same ED because, you know, ambulance runs, they have a specific hospital that they need to drop their patients off at, and they come in, you know, they get their care, and they sign out AMA the second day, and they leave. So, I'm like, bruh, <laughs> what are we what and are we doing here? What are we doing? What and this is, this, you know, this outpatient, this is primary care outpatient. People voluntarily walk in mm-hmm. and out mm-hmm. from scheduled appointments. Right. Um, so, you know, you're just kind of watching this person just complete. And it, it never happens when I am in the room, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm in the room, everything is calm and nice and polite and kind. And so when you sit in on the conversations that they're having with other people, because they think that you won't come and listen, but sometimes I'll come out and listen. Like what is, what is happening? Because I do know people, what you, you know, some of y'all, I'm talking to some of y'all listening. Y'all be cutting a whole fool out there in the, in the front office with the staff. What y'all going to do is get me in to see my doctor and I better and y'all better and who better. And I better not. And then by the time they get the back to see you, they're like, know what they were talking about up front I just was trying to make sure I was seen so I know y'all cut up sometimes like I do know that and most time when you know the staff is complaining I'm just like okay listen we don't know what they've been through we don't know what it took for them to get here for this day so let's just go ahead and give them some care mm-hmm. and be on our way I got I got a whole terrorist yeah I gotta put my patience in place sometimes I'm like listen the way that you out because that's a quick way to piss me off I'll get pissed off faster if you treat my nurses crazy that makes me so upset. Yes. Now yes. I'm, I'm yelling at me I'm, all you want yeah, to, but not like, my nurses. I, yeah, I'm used yeah. to like I'm used to people coming at me crazy just because you know county. Eh, you know I'm used to it. But right. like, don't be out here cussing up my nurses when they're trying to do their best. They have to scrub this schedule to fit you in and double book and they, like, don't do that. Don't well, do that. you know, and the thing is too, I think a lot of times is it's it's a problem with the system in a sense because we allow them to have this bad behavior and they get what they want, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And because we mm-hmm. perpetuate that, then they know that, oh, I gotta, I gotta tell them that I need to be seen and I gotta yell and I gotta do this so I can get in sooner, right? Because if I don't do that, then I don't get in. So they do all of this. And then when they see us, they're like, oh, okay, everything's calm, right? So, and and it's because we continue to let this behavior happen. Like, I, I have patients that get on my schedule, like, I'm like, why is this person on my schedule? I just saw them. It's because they keep calling and being annoying. And so then the schedules put them on the, on the schedule because they like, they don't know what to do, even though I'm, and they triple book me when it's not even an appropriate time and it causes a whole lot of problems because, you know, they, they just go and they're just like cutting up. Just keep that in mind. Like we're humans too. You know, we, we understand that you're here for, to get better and that we're working, we're doing our absolute best to kind of work with the time constraints that we have. And, you know, some people just don't understand that and they want everything done now, now, now. But, you know, outpatient medicine does not work like that. Inpatient medicine does not work like that. 
Um, so that that's just something that some people just don't understand, you know, going forward. So I mean, even if you don't understand, I'm gonna make you understand, right? Because, <laughs> like Dr. Chris said, you don't need to be here. Mm-mm. And usually, when I'm very upfront and frank about it, to be honest, nine times out of ten, they feel me. Because they can also feel that I don't want to have this conversation either. But now you've put me in this situation. And I'm like, hey, man, listen, this was inappropriate. This will not be accepted. If we see it again, that's it. Like, that's it. That's it. You got to draw the line somewhere. Listen, I ain't giving up. Uh, look, I, I got a wedding to uh, pay for. Uh, I can pay like a, so a house. I can't give, <laughs> I can't give Beyonce no $50,000. Listen, if somebody knows Beyonce or somebody knows somebody that knows Beyonce, can y'all give her our Yo, money? Yo, you'll get so free medical advice that I for see, life. I want to I see Beyonce, but I can't give her no, no $50,000 because, you know. No one's, no one's. Amy Jo, you literally know everybody. I'm sure you can get us like, you know, like front row tickets. I don't. I don't know anybody. I do know somebody knows Beyonce, but wait, what? Like, hey, wait, well, we're, we're not about to steamroll over that. Like you didn't just say that. Like you know someone that knows Beyonce. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you say that so nonchalantly. Like that's not a big deal. But I mean, it's not because I, I don't know Beyonce. <laughs> she said I know somebody. I mean, it's a big deal that she does, right? Right. But I don't know Beyonce. I know her, and I, you know, I would never, never, ever, 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 I would never call somebody to be like, girl, hey, <laughs> that's a surefire way to lose that friend. I know that's such a terrible yeah. thing to do. But yes, I do know somebody that knows Beyonce. I'm and glad I'm well, glad you shared that because I'm now, gonna get. now I'm gonna say I know somebody who knows somebody who know Beyonce. <laughs> right. Yes, yes, now we can say that. Exactly. First of all, first of all, you know, you know black people always go too far. I no, she know Beyonce. You're gonna be like, I don't know, I don't know. Right. Yo, you're skipping like Beyonce. two degrees of separation there. Like, nah. <laughs> It don't matter because well, you know what they're gonna hear? They're gonna hear that I know Beyonce. They're not gonna hear the two things that I said in the be- in in between. That, that's true. That knows somebody. True. That knows somebody. They're gonna hear that I know Beyonce. They be like, where for real? I'm like, yeah, girl. Like, mm-hmm. who is trending topics? Oh, I am. Um, I yes. So not to bring us down at all, and I'm gonna keep it real short and sweet because I have a short one. You can expand on it if you want to, and I have another short one. Short one is. There's a current TikTok trend happening, and y'all know I'm not really on TikTok like that, but it came up on my feed. And there's a TikTok trend that is basically called, I don't know, Dr. Noto's probably seen it because she's on TikTok. So it's a trend called what I eat in a day trend. I don't know if Hmm. you guys have seen this, but it's basically- I've seen them before. Mostly, most times it's like athletic people, but okay. Right. So- it started off as athletic people or like people who are like uh, nutritionists or personal trainers. And then it kind of hit this like weird dark place where it's what I eat in a day. And it's like people trying to show off how little they eat in each day. And then it kind of turned into like, yeah. And then it started flirting with the lines of like eating disorders and like people trying to mm-hmm. shame each other for their weight and like, oh, you should eat less in a day or because you still look like it's getting real dark, weird things. Oh, wow. I've not seen that at all. Actually. Just show like what you eat and how you prepare it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, I just want to throw it out there to say that I feel like we all should be very aware of like the pros and the cons of social media. Mm. And even if something starts off as something good and helpful, maybe your nutritionist was trying to show you what I eat in a day and maybe she made a blueberry shake. I don't know. But I think you should also be very aware of the effect that social media has on yourself and on other people, especially when we start talking about weight, eating disorders, unhealthy dieting, things of that nature. So I'm just bringing that up as a trending topic just to, you know, tell everyone to, I don't know, scroll responsibly. (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah. that's, that's yeah. really all I have to say on that but it's caused a lot of people to use the same hashtag and then write kind of like their own like dissertation mm. you know people being there you know think pieces mm-hmm. underneath yes. and, and just kind of talk about like how a lot of things are toxic and how everyone's body is different everyone's weight's different everyone's diet can be different and it can all still be healthy and just kind of trying to reaffirm people and and 
boost people's self-esteem because people were getting torn down like crazy all over TikTok. Mm. It got real dark real fast. So I'm surprised I haven't seen I mean most of my algorithm is like zodiac signs and cooking videos and travel. So I, I guess I never like came across that. But yeah, you you gotta be careful. Mm-hmm, you gotta yeah. be careful with that type of stuff. And just remind people that folks be lying. Oh, for yeah. sure. And they do it all for clout. Every all for clout. Yeah. Yes. Every so many years there's some new Netflix that comes out about somebody who was really not telling truth about what they were doing on Instagram or Twitter or now TikTok or something. So I just need people to remember that folks be like, listen, they lie to us, okay? When especially when it comes to food, like they will look me in my face and tell me they don't have a bad diet and have an A1C of 15.5. Bro, you eating something. Because you eat something. You eat somebody and something, Ooh. like a bunch of them, all, all at the right. same time, because there's no way that you're not. And so, you know, what people eat, it's hard for me to figure out if I know the truth about what people eat. And I am looking at it. I am making people bring in food journals. And I am following it up with blood work that tells me what's in your blood, which gives me an idea of what you may or may not have had to eat. And even I cannot say that I know for sure exactly what people Mm. are eating. So if that gives you any idea, right, y'all, of just, you know, what what people could or could be couldn't be doing, don't fall for that. Yeah, this whole like, oh, look what I ate today. I ate a celery stick, one strawberry. A spoonful of peanut butter. What? That's, That's it? it? Like, yeah. That's what That's I ate in the past ate. five minutes. Right. Um, then they didn't talk about what happened, what I ate. I went to this Wendy's uh, later on that <laughs> day and had some soda, but you're not going to see that on my TikTok. I got this right? Portillo's, I think it, I think chocolate it's also, cake. You know, but yeah. I think it was also because a lot of the like influencer TikTokers, like the I don't want to, we don't call them video vixens anymore, but you know, like, a lot of like beauty influencer mm, yeah, TikTokers yeah. were really like hitting home hard that they don't eat a lot and this is how they look the way that they do, and you know, stuff like that. Don't believe them. No. The only other thing I wanted to plug really quick is that. We're recording this at the end of October and y'all probably won't hear it until November and that's fine. But I did want to say that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we haven't mentioned it on any of our other episodes. So please take care of your tatas. And if you are 40 and above or if you have a family history of breast cancer, maybe a little earlier for those of you, you should definitely be sure to talk to your PCP, get your mammograms. You see something suspicious, maybe get an ultrasound, talk to your docs, take care, take care of your breasts. For the men that are listening, you spend a lot of time with the tatas as well. If you see something weird, bring it up to your lady. You know, we're all here for due diligence mm-hmm. and talk to your PCP and get your memos, you know? Mm-hmm. Get them checked. Get them checked. You know, some people are always like, oh, they smash them. It's messed too hard, but I think the machines have gotten better and better over time. And so you do not have to fear that it's going to be excruciating pain. Most people do not come back expressing that kind of pain. So just so you know. That's all I got. Short and sweet. Oh, can I, you reminded me of something. I had it last week, but since you brought up um, breast? breast cancer wellness month, this irritated me so much because I'm like, this This is why we're in here fighting with patients mm. right now. So in People Magazine, um, earlier this month, Paris Hilton, mm. I can't believe I'm saying her name, got a full body scan for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. What? Right? Why? Full was, body CC? I know, I know. Just why? Yes, saying that she was just being proactive because, you know, she, you know. And the, so they've got her posed, of course, in front of the in front of the CT, like I'm being proactive, <laughs> so I'm getting my body scanned. Yeah, and that it just runs you hot, right? Because you know somebody read it, and right now somebody is making plans to see their doctor this month to ask for a full body scan to screen for breast cancer. It is not a thing, you guys. So we um we are trying to weigh the pros and cons of all screenings, right? Screenings are supposed to look at things and say, how much of a benefit will this be versus the harm it'll cause? And so you do not need a full body CT scan to make sure you're good from breast cancer. Like that's just not even a thing. We learned that entire episode on this last season. Like 
We did. Sure we did. did have an episode like, on there's it. There's no, we look at your risk factors. We look at your family history. We look at your personal habits. And from that information, we weigh kind of what type of screening or would you, the standard, the screen is standardized for everybody, but you kind of look at that uh, or gather that information, determine what, like what type of imaging you'll need. But if it's just for breast cancer awareness, like we do mammograms. Like, you can't find booby cancer in your stomach, so why should you get in a full-body CT scan? Because that doesn't make any sense. And, and the other thing, too, is that the reason why we come up with all of this evidence is because, like, we've studied it, right? There's studies. We review studies, and this is what we have seen over time. And this is why these practices come about, because we study it, right? It's based on... It's evidence-based medicine, meaning that we have evidence to show that this is the best way to screen for certain things. So right. that's why we do that. You know, people are always like concerned about like, you know, if you if you thought you were concerned about radiation, then swapping it out your CT, your mammogram for a CT won't get you less. It actually gets you more. Mm-hmm. So um, like... You know, they measure radiation for like back, like compared to just the general radiation that you could pick up just through day to day life, right? So everything is compared to that, right? So if we just did the numbers, right? It ends in MSVs. Y'all don't care about any of that, but just as a point of reference, uh, uh, an X ray is like 0.1, a mammogram is 0.4, a CT scan is 10. So if you were somebody, and I've had people come and say, I just don't want my mammogram because I just don't want to be radiated. Um, a PET scan is 25. The amount of background radiation equivalent that you're picking up versus just getting your mammogram is significantly more. So sometimes when you see these um, celebrities, you know, giving you advice for things, they're, they have access to something different and people are going above and beyond and paying for extra things. We can keep you safe with the basics, okay? And we won't be cheating you out of an experience at all. So just get your mammogram done. Agreed. I did post, I did post our social media, um, you know, the uh, screening and like the the self um, exams that you can do at home. You did. um, Via the breast, I think it was the breastcancer.org network. Um, So just check us out. Um, I'll I'll shout us out at the end of our little podcast here, but um, definitely, you know, this it's not October is the month to bring awareness to it, but you should be doing this, you know, year round. Agreed. All right, y'all, you ready for this topic? Yeah. yeah. Oh wait. Listen. So y'all outside, okay? And um, with being outside, you all are touching each other. Both. <laughs> Mm-hmm. in front and behind doors mm-hmm. and um so i figured it would be a good time to remind people that there are things out there bigger than covid that can get you and take you out also um i just recently um so we're talking about syphilis today okay and um for a couple of reasons i just recently um diagnosed a syphilis case and the person had no idea well, first of all, what syphilis was, I was very surprised. Um, they had not heard of the the um, Tuskegee study, um, which I was doubly surprised. And they had no clue to um, where they could have gotten it from, you know, uh, what it meant to have it, the conversation they needed to have, like their overall profile was relatively low risk you know, single, single sexual partner, um, no additional partners. And so I was shocked at the level of which I was having to educate and I'm waiting, you know, I, I still don't know if they, if I, if I am certain that they really understand, like, you know, what it means to be tested positive, um, to have tested positive for syphilis. So, I ended up reading an article or a Google was spying on me. And so somehow it ended up in my, in my, you know, who knows, but here's the deal. So this article made me do this topic. Cause I'm like, yo, something is going on. So in 2000 to two in 2000, 2001, we hit a all time low for syphilis. Right. But since then 
the rates of syphilis have gone up consistently every single year. So for the past 20 years, we have seen a steady increase um, in syphilis cases. So I'm reading here and I, because I don't want to get this wrong. Um, and this, this is giving numbers from 2000 to 2020, because as you all know, the CDC is going to take some time to redo them. So now I don't have y'all, we outside numbers yet. We'll know that in a few years, but I assure you <laughs> the trend has continued. <laughs> um, so over so a cute. five year period, um, reported cases of syphilis, syphilis have surged almost 70%. Wow. While the number of congenital cases, which is when a mother passes syphilis to a baby, have surged by 184% since 2017. Wow. Ooh, that oh is insane. Now, all STDs are on the rise, but for some, for whatever reason, syphilis has seen like a ridiculously large increase. And some of the, the stats that we had on there, I was like, this, this is insane. Now, STDs have also been on the rise. So STDs have been increasing by like 4.4% every year. That's alarming. And the funding for for sex education, health education has been a steady decline. So when you factor in um, inflation, it's even worse, right? So our STDs are going up, our funding is going down, and our Roe versus Wade is going out the window. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what y'all in here doing, but y'all can be pregnant and burnt. So we got to do Right. As you're talking about this, I'm thinking to myself, what are we doing? What are we doing wrong? Because it's not like we don't know about this or people. I'm just like, what, what are we doing wrong? Yo, I was, just, I was just thinking about that the other day. And I was like, I wonder if it's because, because you know, when you order the test, you have to order them separately, right? And I feel like I've seen patients who will be like, oh, I got my STD screen. I'll go back in their chart. Only gonorrhea and chlamydia. Mm-hmm. Through year. That's, that's all we right? do. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because if you want an HIV test, that's through the blood. If you want syphilis, that's also through the blood. And maybe yeah. it's just because it's not as easy to order for, I don't know if it's the ED or other provider. I don't know. But maybe it's because it takes a blood drop. I don't know. But well, people screen for gonorrhea and chlamydia more often that's, than they I, I think that's more standard because, you know, everyone that's, that's like a normal, um, I'm going to say normal STD, but that's like an STD that anyone in the normal population that's not considered high risk can get. If so like you high come, risk with like syphilis. If you come in my office and you get an STD screen, you get all of them. You get HIV, right. you get syphilis. But no, as a, I mean, no, as it should as be, as it should what, be. What Dr. Nono is saying is true. I think the thing is, I think the, the other thing too is like, you know, cause we trained in Chicago. So I think we were always trained that we always, we do all of it because also I think in Chicago, the syphilis rates were a little bit higher than probably in other states. Oh, yeah. So I think mm-hmm. also it depends on where you practice because maybe certain states is not as high. So you don't, you don't order it because it's more considered for people who are high risk sexual behavior. And if you're not considered a high mm-hmm. risk sexual behavior, you probably don't order it. Right. Right. Now here it is technically. And most of this y'all comes Mm -hmm. from the CDC site. So you're right because I guilty myself do not order syphilis for everyone. Mm -hmm. I order Mm -hmm. it sometimes but not for everyone. So according to the CDC, um, the people who should routinely get tested for syphilis are women who are pregnant, um, sexually active men who have sex with men, um, people who are living with HIV and are sexually active and people who are taking PrEP for HIV prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, or any person with signs or symptoms suggested of syphilis should get tested. But as we all know, and what you all need to know, people listening, it is really hard to find someone that you can look at for primary syphilis where you're like, oh yeah, you, you got some syphilis going on. It's hard to catch. So finding someone that is actively having signs and symptoms of syphilis so they get tested, you might miss it. The person themselves might miss it because in primary syphilis, which is the first, you know, the first round of symptoms that you're going to see, that only happens that you can get what we call a canker. So it's a little painless lesion 
that can be on the penis, on the vagina, some, wherever you had, you know, wherever your sex happened, right? So I guess in your mouth, if you use your mouth to get it. Um, so it's going to be a painless lesion. You might miss it, right? I imagine if you had oral sex with somebody that had syphilis and then you ended up with a canker in your mouth, you could probably mistake it for um, stomatitis, right? Which is, can be viral. They're harmless. They come, kids get them all the time. But if you thought, yeah, I got a little something right here and it went away, you would not know if you have syphilis, so you can miss it. But that's why people, you know, that's why people aren't testing it. Also, um, Dr. Sunshine, to add to your point, there um, here in, in South Carolina, we are grossly under testing HIV. And I feel like you would pick up HIV before you picked up syphilis as a, as a testing tool. So if we're under testing for HIV, then you're not drawing the blood. And if you're not drawing the blood, you definitely add on syphilis with it. So you you are doing, you are going above and beyond and doing it. And I am great at screening people for HIV. I do not always automatically test them for syphilis. So, you know, there's that. Um, Apparently, according uh, to CDC, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> well, you know, listen, do, keep doing your thing. Keep doing your thug. But fizzle. usually if I have a patient and they ask me for, hey, can I get STI screening? Like I want to be tested for the it. things. I test them yeah. for the things. I don't test yes. them for half the things. <laughs> I test them for the things. And that's how I caught this one. Cause she was like, I want to be tested for all the things. And I was like, well, let's test you for all the things. And that, that thing came back. And I was like, girl, do you know what you got? Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just, you know, um, it's it. Also, um, I don't know who said this, like what's happening. There has been a change. So, there is a decline in condom use among some groups, young people, right? And men who have sex with men. And they think it is because of the availability of uh, viral antiviral medications. So like your PrEP, your valcyclovirs, you know, there's now antivirals for all the things that you can get. And because those things are so good, people are not using condoms and relying on that, Right. So young people are like, look, you know, we get on prep and the one thing I was scared about is just don't get HIV. So if I can be on prep and then be able to have sex the way I want to and not have, you know, HIV, then let's do it. So there is um, an increased risk in sex, a riskier sexual behavior amongst young people now than there was 20 years ago. Cause 20 years ago, everybody was terrified. So it was like condoms, 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 condoms. Now we're like, prep, 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 prep. And somehow in there, everybody thinks that meant prep, no condom. Um, yeah. What I was going to say is I was gonna also thinking to myself, like, I think most people just don't think of syphilis. Like, I think they think of syphilis as something mm-hmm. that people had back in the day and not that they necessarily get it now. Right. And I think when people come into the office, they're never worried that maybe they got syphilis. They're always worried about something else. So, chlamydia and gonorrhea yeah, right. I mean, that's what they're worried about right they're not worried yeah. about that they don't even think oh maybe i could get syphilis i want to get tested for syphilis nobody ever thinks about that they're always thinking about but, you know when they when they think of like old syphilis they're thinking about like the tertiary stages of syphilis when you have like the face defigurement you know from like the late late stages of syphilis and also like you know Amy Joe brings up a good point, like, you know, what the advent, uh, advent of antivirals, yeah, that's great, you know, prep for HIV, but you got to remember syphilis is caused by a bacteria. So antivirals do not work for bacterial infections. So we still recommend you, you wrap it up and have protection because even though you're taking prep for HIV, it's a virus and the antivirals by nature are not going to work against a bacteria, which is what syphilis is caused by. But I think that's what Amy Jo is saying. Amy Jo is like, yeah, you know, people are a little more free because they're on the prep, which protects them from the most dangerous thing. Quote my quotation marks, the most dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. And then everything else they could possibly get, we got antibiotics for it. Oh, I, I got syphilis. Says... Don't we got antibiotics for that? Oh, we got chlamydia. Don't they got antibiotics for that? Oh, gonorrhea. Uh, we uh, have late say- Right, but late stage syphilis—that's not something to like to kind of turn your nose up at, you know. If you, eat, can... if you even mention syphilis to anyone under the age of twenty-five, I don't even think they are even gonna know. know what that. I don't think they know what it is. I don't even think they even know what this, that is. That's crazy. This person was not that young, but I must admit that I was a little shocked that 
they didn't know what syphilis was. They were like, but what is that? And I think it's it's kind of one of those things where we've not talked about it a lot, right? Syphilis isn't the thing to discuss. I remember, um, I remember when we were pushing the numbers um, for syphilis, where it was like one in four people have syphilis and they were breaking it down by college campus. If you're in the football stadium, then one in four of you all, you know, have syphilis and everybody was going, oh my gosh. But we haven't done that, you know, in a long time. So those like, those, you know, ads and and, and educational opportunities, those have gone by the wayside that, you know, HIV really became the thing to talk about, HIV, HIV. And at this very moment, we're not doing a lot of, you know, it used to be ads for days about sexual health, but you're not seeing a lot of those anymore. So nobody's talking about um, STD prevention as it relates to mm-hmm. sexual health. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's wild and, and it is showing. So of all the things, syphilis is growing the fastest. I mean, y'all are out here getting syphilis left and right. So if y'all don't know what it is, but it's going up, exponentially every every year then y'all don't know y'all don't know a lot of things let me give y'all some help all right look so somebody don't know what's happening and i'm alarmed i was very disturbed by those numbers okay so like dr dodo said syphilis is um it's a bacteria it's um a spirochete look that up so it's a (laughs) it's a bacteria okay um you can get it from contact. You can come in contact with a sore that has it, or you can get it, you can get it through sexual intercourse, right? So the issue is that for most people, so we break down. So Dr. Nona is also talking about oh, end stage syphilis. You're wondering what that is. We'll get to that. But when you get syphilis, you can essentially have one of four types. You can have a primary, which means you just got it. You can have a secondary, which means you kind of got it not too long ago, but not too far in the, in the future. Or you got an old one, tertiary, where you're like, look, you didn't have this for so long, you're getting all kinds of symptoms. Or you can have what we call latent. Latent syphilis, in the most layman term, is, I don't know what, when you had it, because I can't tell from, from your history or from your body, Right. I don't know whether you got it yesterday, 10 days ago, 21 days ago, or 10 years ago. I don't know because there's nothing about you that can give me any hints to how long you've had it, but your blood work says you definitely have it and it's active. So that's, those are all the the ones. The reason why I feel like, you know, syphilis is hard is because Generally, it takes you about 21 days to show symptoms for syphilis. So that canker sore that we're talking about that's going to be painless, that lesion pops up on average 21 days. 21. That's a whole month later. Some of y'all can't remember who y'all had sex with last week. So (laughs) 21 days is a long time to be like, dang, wait, well, where was I? You know, what did I do and all this kind of stuff, especially people who are casually dating. Um, So 21 days could be a long time. Honestly... I didn't remember this. Well, I guess I kind of remembered it, but it was cool to kind of go back through it. Even though 21 days is the average, the range of time is 10 to 90 days. Mm. So it might not pop up for three months where you're minding your own business and all of a sudden you got this painless lesion and you're supposed to remember that this might have come from someone you had sex with three months ago. That's rough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it means you're not going to get back to tell them and it means that y'all both been passing it around for a long time. So primary syphilis is going to look like a, a canker sore somewhere on, on the private parts, on your genital areas, wherever you had intercourse with, and it's going to pop up. That's generally going to be your only sign. That's all you're going to get. That will eventually heal and go away. But just because it heals and goes away does not mean you're not still infected. You're very much infected. Until you get treated, you are going to be infected with syphilis. And so I also think that's what happens. People don't talk about it no more. Like we're all talking about it. So when they see that little lesion up there, they're like, oh God, I got something. But they blink, it goes away. They're like, whoo, I thought I had something. And you think you don't, but you did. And you still do. And you still do. Mm. So that's primary. Uh, Secondary syphilis is where all your rashes start. So um, your medical school uh step one um 
PTSD is going to come back because these are one of the, the rashes for uh, your palms and your soles. Yeah. So people will get specifically rashes on their palms and soles. You'll get a diffuse rash everywhere, but this one also pop up on your palms and soles. So every now and then somebody walks in my office and like, yeah, I got this rash on my hands and on my feet. And I'm like, how are you? Um, checking a look. Okay. Not married. Oh man. I had to check you for syphilis. So you can get that. Um, those two will actually really go away. Right. And so I think that's the hard part with some of these. So it's not like chlamydia and gonorrhea where, um, all of a sudden you got some vaginal irritation or it burns when you have sex or some guy comes in and they're like, it, it burns when I pee, make it stop. This won't stop. Right. Like those symptoms kind of go on long enough that you actually just run out of patience and you're like, I got to go in and see something because I'm, you know, I'm tired of being uncomfortable. Syphilis is tricky because if you wait long enough, it will resolve. Well, at least it'll appear to resolve as it's working on going to its next step, which will get you into tertiary syphilis. Tertiary syphilis is horrible, y'all. You don't want it. If anybody remembers um, the Tuskegee trials, I mean, the Tuskegee studies and everything, tertiary syphilis was what made those studies so bad. So these people had nerve damage. They had problems with walking. They had all kind of neuropathies. Some of them went blind. They had the rashes. They had uh, masses, which you call gummas. So these big fleshy tumors that popped up everywhere. You can get all that stuff in tertiary syphilis. We almost never see it in the United States of America because we have a treatment, but there are still places, rural places, um, places where the where socioeconomically depressed people are, you can still find some tertiary syphilis where they just, nobody ever got to them and all of a sudden they have it. Mm-hmm. So that's what you need to know about syphilis. And it affects you, all the organs, all the organs. Everything. The heart gives you a heart block. All of a sudden your heart starts beating funny, all types of stuff. Syphilis causes everything. I think, um, Dr. Your joints. Dr. Sunshine, I think I remember you had a patient in residency who you thought, I think had it right. Yes. Yes. And, and did that patient actually have it? Yeah, they did. And we had to give them the treatment. You still have to treat them, but I don't know, but a lot of the things that they were experiencing there, a lot of it's permanent already. It already, once you have that neuropathy, you can't, you can't reverse that. It's, it is what it is. So, and it's, it kind of, it really sucks because it's like, if you caught it earlier, more than likely it would not have gotten to that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, our intern year. No, yeah, I remember that because we we see you sign up from your team about him. Yeah, yeah and like we that. didn't catch it till like he started having like he was. I remember like he was in for something unrelated, but he was having signs. We were like, I think it? I remember it because <laughs> he came to the yeah. clinic, and uh, yeah. Dr. Sunshine and I we had clinic on the same days. And I think she was talking mm-hmm. to the attending about it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because it's, it's, you, it's like you, you see it in the books and then you actually have a patient that you're like, oh. It's not. You know, what, you know what the chief often, complaint was? The yeah. chief complaint was balance problems. Yep. Yeah, that yeah. was the chief complaint. The chief complaint was balance problems. But then when you take a look at them, you're like, yeah, man, like I can't walk straight. My balance is all off. And I got this rash and I got some other weird stuff. And it's a, it's mm. a bunch of stuff all together. And you're like, is this? Is is this is this syphilis? <laughs> all right, let me what? work up all the zebras for you right now because this is right. what we're going for. But yeah, I remember that guy. And the the penicillin treatment was a little bit different, but that's still the standard of care for uh, people with uh, syphilis. Um, if you're allergic to penicillin, there's also there's alternatives for you, so like doxy or azithromycin. But for the most part, people who are not allergic, penicillin is the standard of care. Yeah. So also. Um, another reason why it's important for people to get treated is that um, I have 184% surge in congenital cases since 2017 is alarming. Mm-hmm. So clearly we're not pushing the message on, on how bad syphilis can be. If you are pregnant and, and have contracted syphilis and you pass it on to baby, it is a problem, right? Two, so you're going to get two folds. One, will baby live? Because it increases your risk that you will have a stillborn it increases your risk that you will miscarry. Uh, it increases risk that this pregnancy will result in death of child, like death of fetus. Um, that is horrible. Now, let's just say this kiddo is gets lucky and lives, right? It will also 
increase the risk of blindness, of heart disease, um, skin, teeth, like all kind of, you know, developments can, can happen. And so it's really important. And so you need to get tested because if you, if you're, if you are positive for syphilis, then when baby is born, baby needs to have be treated for syphilis right away. Mm-hmm. Your inability to get that kiddo treated for syphilis at the time of delivery can result in mental, mental development, cognitive delays, and along with the blindness, blindness and deafness, right? Mm-hmm. So there are some adults out here that cannot hear mm-hmm. or that are blind because they were not treated mm-hmm. for their syphilis when they were born. Mm-hmm. So all of that matters. It and, and so to see that 184% increase in cases when we have a clear treatment and we have well-established ways to test, I was like, this is this is insane. And, like, I don't know how we're doing this. And this is why it's really important to get prenatal care because this is how we test mm-hmm. for that. Because your first first visit, we're doing all of those labs, right? So yep. we're going to know from the get-go, is this a problem, All right, And this is why it's important to get the adequate prenatal care because then we can if you've never, things. If you've never had STD testing before, when you get pregnant... Oh, you're gonna you getting you getting the real. It doesn't matter what you say. Oh, I don't do this. I'm. We don't care. You're just gonna get everything. Okay. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's one. It's something that you can't afford to miss. So in hindsight, right? If we're if if your baby becomes blind or deaf because we just didn't do the standard testing and find out that you had syphilis and treat you and 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 baby appropriately it's it's completely avoidable so that's the thing a lot of things that happen to children as it relates to syphilis while pregnant are completely avoidable and that's i think what makes it the biggest um issue for all of us so we do want to test you we do want to test you early and often early and often if we need to so and you will get treated um in your pregnancy so you should let let people know. Some people you got pregnant, but you're still you know casual, so you still may have other partners. That's fine. Just make sure that you continue to get tested. Um, and please wear some condoms out here in these streets because y'all also not using condoms. So, um, and that penicillin no. treatment is not penicillin by mouth. That is an injection. That is like it a- is an injection, y'all. It it's, it's so. Sick. It's, it's like is. for three weeks it's too. Thick. You gotta do it. You gotta do it once, once a, once a week for three weeks. The first one. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it depends on. Um, it depends on what stage. It depends on what stage you're in, right? So if you are primary or secondary, right? If you catch it early enough, you can get away with a single dose of penicillin injected in the cheeks because it's your largest muscle in your booty mm-hmm. cheeks. Your cheek, right? If it's primary or secondary, if you have um, tertiary, uh, you are going to have to get one shot once a week for three weeks. If you are latent, and remember, latent, you guys are the people that um, we just don't know. If we can pinpoint that you might be early latent, then we'll give you the one shot like primary and secondary. But if you're just unknown latent or if you're late latent, one shot of penicillin in a cheek for three weeks, once a week for three weeks. That is the recommendation. You have to get syphilis treated. In no way does this end in if I just let it run its course long enough, I will be fine. Because as you know, um, it syphilis will keep morphing into other things until it really does a lot of damage and it can still result in death. So you can die from syphilis. You can die from all STDs technically if you let them go on long enough, but syphilis you can absolutely die from. And that death is pretty painful because it ends up being a neuropathic mess. Neurosyphilis, which is yikes. You don't want neurosyphilis. Neurosyphilis messes with all kinds of you know issues and you're going to end up with eye problems and you're going to have ataxias and you're going to have you know brain and nerve issues it, it's just it's just you know, not the aortic it. when it gets into the the gummas get into the aortic uh, root 
Uh, yeah, so that they're the big bad. artery coming out of your heart, you know, when that like that wall weakens and it you know ruptures, immediate bleed out, dead within minutes. Yeah. So oh, and I forgot about the severe anemia for the kiddos too, right? It's not just death, it's just it's not just blindness and death. They can have like deformed bones, they can have a really bad anemia, they can get meningitis, they can, you know, mess up their liver and their spleen. Um, and a lot of those kiddos die shortly after death if if that infection is bad enough. So there is nothing of all the things that I think we have forgotten. I feel like this is one of the worst ones to forget because the 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 disease process is so terrible and so severe that I'm a little um, saddened that it seems to be like this lost forgotten you know STD when it's actually horrible. And so what it causes is is terrible. So syphilis. If you have multiple partners, if you are not casual, I mean, if you are in a casual relationship and you're not in a committed relationship, then consider that high risk. So um, what people think is socially high risk and what's high risk medically is simply sex, sex with a sex with a casual partner without condoms. Yeah. You don't have to have more than one partner to technically be considered high risk, right? Because once you've decided that you're not in a committed relationship and you're engaged in a sexual activity and you're not doing everything to protect yourself, I have to say everything because people are like, well, yes, I am. I take birth control pills. Okay, that's cool. That protects you from pregnancy, but not everything else. So if you're having sex in a casual relationship and you're not doing everything to protect all things, then you are high risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, if you are high risk, then do us a solid and ask for complete screening, right? So help your doctor out and say, I I need to be screened for everything. So they also add that syphilis back in there so we can know. So we don't find you in some latent mold and we don't have any idea when you got it, when you didn't get it. Exactly. That cosine. That's all I got, y'all. That was bad. Good job. Good job, Amy Jo. Oh, keep that transition, Dr. Sunshine. Oh, okay. All right. So the one question we have for today. Uh, so from our anonymous listener is how to get rid of constant mucus in the chest. It depends on who put it there. <laughs> That's funny. Was it a virus? Was it bacteria? Yeah. I'm assuming people, I think when people say mucus in their chest, because people describe this all the time, right? I got mucus. I can feel it in my chest. And what they really mean is upper airway mucus. So what they say, what they mean is they've been clearing their throat a whole lot. They feel like it's right there. If they could just cough it up and get it out, Mm -hmm. it would be fine. And actually what you're probably feeling is inflammation, not mucus. There's a little bit of mucus, but there's more inflammation than anything. So it depends. So since this is October and we're going into chronic sinusitis season, then let's pretend like this is from your chronic sinusitis and what you really have is post-nasal drip and a little bit of mucus. You know, one thing to tell all my patients, if this is your season to have horrible sinusitis chronically, then no dairy, no sugar. And I didn't mean work on no dairy, no sugar, or almost no dairy, no sugar. I really do mean no dairy and no sugar. Because you eat and drink most of that and it sits in the back of your throat. The dairy is going to make you mucusy, right? So we know that the dairy products, you know, increase mucus production and the sugar inflames your mucus membranes. So if we can get you to stop drinking the, drinking the sugars and eating so much of the dairies and increasing your water, we can keep your mucus membranes moist. And I suspect that that inflammation will come down just enough so that you don't feel, um, the inflammation in the back of your throat, which you are which you are interpreting as mucus, and you won't be always trying to cough it up, which ultimately leads to more inflammation. Man, how many of your patients actually listen to that? Because I'll be telling them that they don't listen. They still keep coming with the same problem. I'm like, a couple of them do. You know what? I get a few people that they don't, they listen. Like mm-hmm. I've got a few patients that have been like, you know what? You were right. You were right. right. Now they don't do it all the time. I know. But sometimes they'll come back and they'll be like, man, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling these symptoms again. But you know, what? I went back to drinking the sugar and, and, and the dairy again, like you told me not to. And it came right back. 
But we've yeah. all been there. I've been there myself where I'm like, oh, my sinuses are so good. I don't need, I get that like you go through long stretches. I'm like, yeah, I'm about two, three years. I haven't needed anything. I'm about to eat this ice cream in October. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. And I live to regret it every single time. <laughs> every time. He's like, damn, why am I coughing? Why'd I do that? Why'd I do that? Yeah. And knew, we're back. Right. And we're back. Uh, Jenny's flavor came out. So, the only difference between me and them is that I know when I eat the ice cream to expect my sinuses to misbehave for the next couple weeks, right? But that would be my first thing. Of course, there is Flonase, there is Azelestine, um, there are neti pots. Y'all listen, I love a good neti pot. Um, nasal irrigation system. Any nasal irrigation system, you know, that works, you know, some saline uh, fluids really goes a long way and actually makes people feel pretty good. What I would not start doing is getting into your afferents and your pseudophys. It's going to overdry you out. But if you could, if it were me, the most ideal way to prevent that, I would no dairy, no sugar and either neti pot or or navage. And that would be my go-to. Dr. Sunshine, as my witness, has seen me do it, and it has kept me off of many drugs. So, my God. there's that. Man. Yeah, some people just don't like to buy into this neti pot, though. But I just tell them, like, it's going to help you. Like, I get it. But it's going to like... I mean, people are, like, grossed out, you know, that their mucus is coming out, like, into the sink or toilet or whatever. But I I feel like Amy Jo had fluids all over our apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Neti pot is steamers. It's, 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 it's it's everything. Yes. It's so funny because I have not pulled out. The nebulizer will will smoke on the side. (laughs) There's just just stuff everywhere. (laughs) Yo, that last time when I had to break out that, I thought I really was like, this is going to be the end. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you, since you moved down south, have you been using it like that? No, but I have not had any problems since I've been down here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's been, it's been, it's been great. The the weather not taking you out no more? The weather, (laughs) yes. No, it is not. Um, When I had COVID, that was probably the first time, I have not been sick since I came down here, so COVID- um was the first time I've been sick probably about three years and so um that was really the first time I had to use anything and I used a little bit of Flonase because more of not during COVID during COVID I was just like chicken soup water um a little bit of Pedialyte um and that was it that's really all Mm. we drank and tea lots of tea with no sugar like I have grown to love my tea just as is and uh it was perfect but it was that post-COVID symptoms, I was struggling. So I used some Flonase probably for the first time in a, a long time. But mm. I've stopped that. I don't use that anymore. It's so much so that I had a big thing of it from Costco and I went to open it and it was expired. <laughs> I used it anyway. But that's the here to there because it ain't really expired. So I kept nah, right on using it. I was like, but the I fact that it had like expired they... on the, yeah, I was like, dang, I really have not had to use this stuff. So. Oh my gosh. But that's it. Yay. Nice. That was our only question. So, okay. no, no. Want to tell the people where to find us, please? Of course. All right, y'all. So be sure to check us out on our social media. Uh, we have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, our handle is at the Chocolate MDS. Also, feel free to send us some questions via our website, which is www.thechocolatemds.com. And also uh, send us some good wishes, some other questions, you know, comments to our Gmail, which is thechocolatemds at gmail.com. I will not force you all to do chocolate kisses, but I will say something that really warmed my heart is that my fiance's family, um, who is the family that I live around, because I don't live where my family's from, they actually threw me a surprise bridal shower this past weekend. I had no idea it was happening. My fiance just told me to look cute and we're going to go somewhere. And I thought we were going to like a restaurant or something. And their whole family got together and threw me a huge surprise bridal shower. That's so sweet. And it was very nice. It was nice. It was cute. It was outside. They had games. They cooked food for days. I'm like, wow, this is really nice. They gave me a little, little thing. It was really, really nice. So I'm really grateful to to them because I see them more than I see my own family. 
you know, because this is where we live and they've been super supportive and very welcoming and I love them very much and they're super excited for the wedding. So it's going to be fun. Yay. It's going to be lady. We're so close. Wanted, I know. They're so sweet. So I just had to plug that little, that little nugget. Y'all don't have to feel pressured or nothing. We can end on that note. It's fine. I know yes. y'all, be having, y'all be struggling. Y'all be struggling to think about stuff. So yes, <laughs> we're going to catch y'all later. We're good. Y'all well. Bye y'all. Bye y'all. Bye. Bye.